This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. Welcome everyone, HCJ.tax. We do these live streams every week. Welcome. So we talk all things cross-border international tax, and we attempt to demystify the sometimes confusing world of international taxation. This is being recorded. So if you do not want your video to appear on the recording, all you need to do is switch your, your camera off and, and you won't be visible. So this is also being live streamed on several platforms. It will be recorded for those who said they have to reach, they have to leave early or they're going to be in late or whatever is going to be recorded and be available on about 25 platforms, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, basically wherever you're going to get your podcast, this will be available. So the, you, and if you miss something while we're speaking, you're able to play it all over again. So it's all good. Please be aware that we uh tax professionals qualified tax professionals but we are not your tax professionals not yet anyway so we're having a general conversation about general principles this is not meant to be advice you can take it as education you can take it as entertainment but if you want advice that's relevant to your situation you need to engage an advisor who will know your situation inside out so this is not advice this is how i keep my uh, premiums and my professional liability insurance as low as possible. So we don't want any misunderstanding. So without further ado, I introduce our two tax experts, Augusto in Portugal and Ricky in sunny Spain. Gentlemen, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Ricky, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so my name is Ricky, um, and, and I'm working. Well, I'm from Guterres Pujas and Partners. It's a tax accounting and law firm in located in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, we've been working in international and also in Spanish matters for over thirty years, and, and well, I'm here to to give you rough explanation of uh, how the Spanish tax system works and some of the uh, advantages and special tax regimes that we have here in Spain. And hopefully I can solve some of your, of the people's doubts. Thank you, Augusto. So from, uh, I am August Paulino, uh, tax partner uh, at DFK in Portugal, which, which is a, an audit uh, advisory firm here in Portugal. We assist uh, corporate and private clients. And, uh, well, uh, the idea would be to share some of our experience uh, handling with the individual clients that uh, we have here in Portugal, share some information about the tax regime. And um, that's it. And thanks, uh, Darren, for, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here with you and, and Ricky. Fantastic. Thanks for sharing your time. So many of our clients come in, and especially from the US, and they would say, okay, I'm thinking of moving to either Portugal or Spain. Which one? And sometimes we do models where we try to compare the two. But we thought, you know what? This points to an area of interest. Let's have a conversation 
not that any country is better than the other. There's just pros and cons, and we just want to explore those pros and cons. There have been over 200 RSVPs to this event, and you have thrown a lot of questions at us. I apologize in advance. It is impossible to go through all the questions we got. Some of them were pretty lengthy. We got it, uh, but you know, time is not necessarily on our side. It's tax season for everyone here. So what we've decided to do is we have looked at the commonalities and we've come up with 10 questions that more or less we think covers everything in terms of subject matter that people have been asking. So we go through each of these 10 in, in turn. And then if those, you know, you don't think your specific area was covered, then feel free to ask. So if so let's let's just jump in, right? So tax residence. How is tax residence triggered? in Portugal versus Spain. Augusto, generally speaking, how would tax residents be triggered in Portugal, please? Okay, uh, generally speak, speaking, so uh, the, the, there are uh, several criteria that uh, can, can trigger taxation, but uh, the, the first one would be to spend more than 183 days in each 12-month uh, period in the Portuguese territory. Of course, you can also be considered tax resident, even if you stay less than uh, that that period in Portugal. If you have uh, in Portugal uh, the uh, a residence with the intention to 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 live there on a permanent basis, those would be. Uh, the the main the main criteria, of course, if we are discussing the tax residency between different jurisdictions, other cri other criteria may apply under the double tax treaties concluded between the different jurisdictions. So what we call the tiebreak clauses, central of vital interest, etc. But generally speaking, it would be this rule. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Gusto. Ricky. How is tax residence triggered in Spain? Well, basically, since we both come from the European Union, everything is almost under the under the same model, under the OECD model, uh, and basically the criteria is pretty much the same. Um, we have here we have the, it is based on on three criteria. The first one, obviously, is the 193 day rule. Uh, if you spend more than that, uh, then you're automatically considered Spanish tax resident. And then also the, the second one would be having a, a, a permanent uh, house available here in, in Spain. And also obviously the, 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 the economic interest. So if you have like all the, your incomes coming from Spain, everything that is generated in Spain, then it can trigger you becoming Spanish tax resident. And then the last one is the, is the presumption test. It's whether your family is living here and where do your kids go to school? Uh, this would be the, the, the third one. And as Augusto mentioned, um, if there are like some uh, discussions between both countries, then you obviously go to the, to the double taxation treaty with the other country, and then you could there you could find out uh, where you should be be resident or be paying your your taxes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just to kind of quickly summarize, there's the days test, which is quantitative, that's objective, everybody gets that. Yeah. But there's also a subjective element in terms of, uh, let's say, a center of life test. 
So, you know, do you have a home available for you use, your place of habitual yeah. abode, your family, uh, economic interests, and so on. So that's a, a bit subjective, but those yeah. are the two. And then if there's a clash, there's a tiebreaker, assuming there's a double tax yeah. in place. Okay, fantastic. So I think that kind of covers it, generally speaking. So next question. For foreigners, and, and again, you know, this is a, a pretty complex question and there are many layers to it, but generally speaking, uh, I'm not talking about the special tax regimes though. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, what is the personal income tax for foreigners who are resident in the respective countries? Let, let's start with Spain, personal income tax, basically. So w whenever you become Spanish tax resident, uh, it doesn't matter whether you are U.S. national, you are Portuguese national. I mean, you automatically, well, you are Spanish tax resident means you have to pay taxes on your worldwide incomes, either incomes coming from the U.S., coming from Spain, coming from anywhere in the in the world. Those incomes will be taxable in Spain. Uh, well, here what we what we have here in in Spain is a progressive tax rate. Depending on the incomes that you generate, you can go from, let's say, 20% up to the maximum uh, would be 47. And it can be, for example, depending on the uh, region of Spain that you're living, it can go up to 52%. For example, here in Catalonia, uh, it's the region where you pay um, the most taxes, and it's 52, 54% uh, maximum. So, yeah. However, the the way they they do it, it's a progressive tax rate. Sorry, and uh, thank you for that. And Augusto in Portugal, generally speaking. Generally speaking, so at the moment that a uh, foreigner is considered tax resident in Portugal, he will be treated as a regular taxpayer here, and um, uh, in general terms, it the the progressive tax rates up to 48 percent depending on the annual level of income uh, would apply to the different sources of income once uh, an individual becomes tax resident he will be taxed in portugal on the worldwide income as well as ricky mentioned for spain and um, uh, that that that's briefly uh, uh, the 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 tax regime is similar to uh, any other tax resident. Of course, we may have special tax regimes that may apply, and uh, maybe we will go to that uh, uh, um, next um, in in terms of uh, a special regime that uh, applies in certain circumstances. Mm -hmm. Okay, so generally speaking, the taxes, personal income tax rates are aligned with each other, uh, 47 versus 48. However, Ricky, as you pointed out, depending on which region you're in, there may be some local or regional taxes that would apply that will push you up a bit. And then, of course, yeah. a separate topic, which we can get into people are interested in that, there's a wealth tax, which may apply over a certain level. And and just to be clear on that, Augusto, there is no wealth tax in Portugal. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes, yes, it is a fair thing to say. Uh, however, there is also an additional surcharge. 
ah. that could reach uh, five percent. That is applicable if the annual income is above eighty thousand euros. Hmm. Five percent. So that could push you up to fifty-two, fifty-three percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, in line with Spain, if if you're in Catalonia, for example. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but as as you said, uh, well, yeah. the one of the biggest disadvantages we have is uh, yeah, obviously wealth tax. I mean, it, it's a tax that is it it's not designated by the um, by the government. So each region are the ones that decided that decide if they wanna if they wanna have the wealth tax or not. Unfortunately, Catalonia it's one of the worst ones because normally. You have a, a regular tax allowance for, uh, I think it's uh, seven hundred. The first seven hundred thousand of uh, of income of the assets that you have are mm -hmm. there's like a deduction, but in Catalonia instead of seven hundred thousand, it's only five hundred thousand, so it's it's a disadvantage. But then you have these other regions such as Madrid or Andalusia where where there's no wealth tax. So it's a, a lot of people, uh, whenever they want to move to Spain, uh, it's very important for them to look where they are going to live because it can make a, a pretty big difference. And then also Absolutely. because of mm -hmm. the, um, because of this uh, no wealth tax in Andalusia, which it was introduced uh, in mid 2020, uh, mm -hmm. the government decided, okay, since there's not going to be wealth tax here, then we're going to apply a new tax. Uh, mm. And this new tax, it's called, uh, in Spain, in Spain, uh, in Spanish, it's called Impuesto de Grandes Fortunas. In English, it would, they call it Solidarity Tax. So mm. it's for, for people with wealth uh, over three, three million. Um, well, they have to pay like a small percentage, but it's another tax that has been added. For now, it's mm -hmm. uh, this tax. It's only going to last uh, two years, mm -hmm. but who knows? Maybe they'll they'll just they'll just keep it. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Next question for those who are business owners, entrepreneur entrepreneurs, corporate income tax. Generally speaking, I know that it depends on the type of company, blah blah blah. But generally speaking, what does the corporate income tax look like, uh, Ricky? Yeah, so in Spain, corporate income tax, uh, it's a flat rate of 25%. Uh, but there's one thing that people need to know that whenever you incorporate a company, the first two years that you have earnings, that you, that you have benefits, uh, they're only taxed at the 15%. So at least for the first two years, you only pay 15% and then you go to the 25% to the tax rate. Augusto? The general corporate income tax rate in Portugal is uh, 21%. And uh, a municipal uh, surcharge may apply up to 1.5%. So it uh, depending on, on the region, but uh, uh, taking into account uh, such maximum um, municipal surcharge, we can consider a 22.5% corporate income tax rate. Um, there is an, uh, also an additional surcharge for companies with high profits above 1.5 million, which are subject to additional surcharges, but 
this is the general corporate income tax rate. Okay, so generally speaking, slight, uh, slightly more attractive in Portugal. Generally speaking, of course, it depends on the industry, the size of your turnover, et cetera, et cetera, your location, but okay. Uh, next question, social charges, which are borne depending on your situation by both the employee and the employer. If you're self-employed, you bear them all on your own, but sometimes in the, the calculation uh, for someone who's planning to move to either Spain or Portugal, sometimes it is something they forget to consider and that may have a, a big impact. So with that in mind, Augusto, can you talk a bit about social charges in, in Portugal, please? Okay, so uh, social charges applied uh, uh, to employment income and also to self-employment income, if it is the case. Mm -hmm. In case of employment income, the the general rates would be uh, uh, 23.75% uh, for the employer and 11% for the employee, which in total, 34.75%. Uh, and uh, for self-employers, the in, in general terms, the, the social security um, contributions uh, would be uh, would correspond to a tax rate of uh, 21.4%. So ju just to be clear, so if you're self-employed, the social charges would be around 20 something percent, but 20%. not right. But not of your entire income, it'll be up to this, a certain amount of income. Is that, uh, is there like a, well, the, the, the social security contributions only apply on 70% of the mm. income, for example, of services rendered. Okay. Gotcha. Thank you very much for that. Ricky, Spain. Yeah, and in Spain for self-employed people, uh, there's like this uh, monthly fee, it's called the autonomous, um, mm -hmm. and it basically depends on the, well, normally there, there was a, whenever you become an autonomous, um, the first two, two years, you only pay a, a fee of 50 euros monthly. Uh, I think this was changed uh, starting 2023. And each, uh, I think they moved it up to like 80 euros a month. And then once um, once these two years are over, then you you kind of like, depending on what you think you're gonna earn that year, um, you just inform the social security and and then they give you like a range where you can, mm. where you can say how much you wanna pay. And then at the end of the year, they, they check between the tax authorities and social security uh, they check how much you paid and if you had to pay more or you had to pay less and then or either you have to pay or they give you like a credit and for people that has been employed for the the employer the the withholding normally it's around 36 percent and and the withholding for the for the employee it's around five or six percent mm, okay so the burden on just proportionally the burden on the company it seems to be a bit higher now yes. I, I didn't i didn't quite get for someone who's self-employed the autonomous right so roughly yeah. what sort of percentage would that person be looking at so normally what people uh, 
the 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 normally the I would say the um, the minimum autonomy that you would be that you would be paying if you're earning a decent uh, amount of money, let's say uh, over thirty five thousand. Uh, normally, the autonomy fee is around 300, 350 euros a month. Uh, yeah, this is the the social right. security charge uh, these people have. So, so, so just to be clear, it's a fixed amount, not a percentage. Yeah. So Portugal is a percentage. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a fixed it's a fixed amount that you can that mm -hmm. you can increase because, for example, some people, um, if they wanna whenever they want to retire and they want to like get money from the from social security uh yeah. there's people that even pay More. over a thousand euros yeah mm -hmm. for to, to, for the autonomy into the system yeah. right but roughly speaking so that's flat amount at least the minimum requirement does it translate roughly into a percentage or not really it's mm. Uh no, it's not. It's not really a. It's not really a percentage. Uh, okay. It's an yeah. amount that. So basically, however it works, mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not an expert on the labor part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But however it works, um, you just go on the on the on the website from the from Social Security. You normally mm -hmm. put the gross salary that you're gonna that you're gonna be earning, and then it gives you like a range. Or either mm -hmm. you can pay this minimum yeah. or you can mm -hmm. pay this much and then people decide it's something that it was implemented uh this year uh, and then that's how how they how it's gonna work for new new people that are gonna be self-employed okay gotcha so it's brand new gotcha understood okay so now that is like the basic part we've set the foundation now we're gonna get into the fun part which a lot of you have asked about the special tax regimes so yeah. I know each of them is a whole day seminar on its own, right? So they have they they have their own intricacies. So just at a very high simplistic level, how does the special tax regime, which is uh, I believe is called the the Beckham Law, how does it work in Spain? Very high level. Okay, so very high level. Uh, I mean, it's a special tax regime that it was made for. For people from uh, outside of Spain that they wanted to to come live here in Spain, mm -hmm. basically there are um, some some requirements that people need to meet. Uh, the main requirement is that you need to be employed by a by a Spanish company. Uh, the other requirement would be that you cannot be the director of the company, so you basically you cannot employ yourself. Um, and then the the other main requirement is that you can have been tax resident in Spain for the past ten years. The advantages of being on the Beckham Law is that instead of going through the progressive tax rate, uh, you are taxed based on a flat rate of twenty four percent, which is uh, um, which is way more advantageous than being on the on the progressive tax rate. So it's twenty four percent. Flat rate for the first six hundred thousand, and then once you go over this six hundred thousand, you automatically go to the forty-seven percent. This was made basically for very famous people, such as or either footballers or, but but now they don't really use it anymore because their salaries are so high that <laughs> these six hundred thousand are are not enough for them. So okay, right. So well, twenty-four percent. That's like half of what yeah. the regular rate could be. So that, that could be 
pretty attractive. But it is, again, it's very nuanced. So it's a company that that the foreigner cannot own. Yes. But they must be employed. So I guess they'll need to come yeah. to a, a professional team like yourself to help get it structured. Yes. Uh, yeah. One structure that we are pretty common. Uh, normally we, and we've done this with, uh, with several clients, uh, kind of like to help them um, to apply to the, to the Beckham law. We, we, we have created this structure where our firm just incorporates a company and we act as uh, kind of like a fiduciary. We act as directors and shareholders of the company. And then we employ uh, these people. And then with this way, they, they are able to, to apply for the, for the Beckham law. And also I didn't mention the Beckham law, it's, it lasts six years. After these six years, they can either decide to move somewhere else or they become Spanish tax residents. Okay, so six years, 24%, and you need a professional firm like yourself to help set it up. Of course, there'll be fees. That yeah, or you, or you have like a, yeah. a, a normal company hire you. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay, so that's Spain. Augusto, what's going on in Portugal? Let's talk about the NHR. I know it's very intricate, but generally speaking. Okay. Yeah. The NHR non-habitual residence regime is mm -hmm. well in terms of conditions to apply for the regime. Uh, the main one is that uh, um, the individual has not been tax resident in Portugal for the previous five years. So this is the the main condition or requirement to to apply for the regime. So we are talking about tax residents, so people that decide mm -hmm. to move to Portugal and become tax resident. And uh, basically, this regime is applicable for 10 years and has uh, 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 certain advantages with respect, with respect to specific sources of income. So in general terms, the taxpayer would be uh, treated as a regular a standard taxpayer in Portugal. However, mm -hmm. there are some benefits applicable to certain sources, natures or income streams, and also depending on the, the, the source of the income. Uh, for example, with respect to income from foreign source, there are exemptions available for investment income such as interest or dividends or even rents received abroad um, there is also a, a tax benefits in terms of the tax rate applicable to employment income or self-employment income derived from what we call high value added activities so there is a list of profession, professional activities that uh, can benefit from a 20% flat rate for personal income tax purposes instead of the progressive tax rates up to 48%. And uh, there are, for example, benefits for pension income uh, from foreign source, a flat rate of 10%. And these are some examples of um, income streams that have special rules under this NHR regime. Okay, gotcha. And um, sorry, Ricky, you about to say something? Yeah, 
one thing I, for, I forgot to mention with the, with the Beckham law, once you are with the Beckham law, um, mm. in Spain, you are treated as a non-resident. Uh, so people a lot of times ask us, okay, I'm on the Beckham law. Do I still need to uh, file the form 720, which is something that it's very common, a lot of people to, to ask. No, since you are not considered tax resident in Spain, then you don't have to file. Uh, the only thing you have to file is a form that is very similar to the to the regular income tax that is just for people with the with the Beckham law, and also the um, the the things that are taxed at a twenty four percent tax rate mm -hmm. are um, the incomes that are generated in Spain. So anything else that is generated outside of Spain, it is taxed in the country where it's uh, where where these uh, earnings are are performed or they are. If they are not generated in Spain, uh, these things are taxed in these other jurisdictions. That, that, that's an important point, I think, to note that you yeah. are technically, so it's like a, an exemption from the tax residency that we discussed earlier. So you're not tax resident. And, and that, no. that, makes a, that makes a whole difference. So on the surface, just comparing the two. So on the surface, the Beckham Law, it lasts for six years, 24%. On the surface, NHR in Portugal lasts for 10 years and is 20%, but it doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It applies for very different circumstances. So we've seen, so generally speaking, and, and Augusto, correct me if I'm wrong, if it is especially, if we see clients with uh, an interesting investment portfolio where they get a lot of securities income, they get sticker shock because they think they're coming into a more benevolent tax regime, but they will be potentially, especially coming from the US, you, you, the effective tax rate will likely be higher than in the US, even on the NHR. Is that a fair example of someone who could be a bit shocked by the NHR? Yeah, because sometimes the NHR regime is uh, confused with the fully exemption regime for yes foreign income, which is not the case, as you mentioned, for example, capital gains on securities, uh, general rule would be that such capital gains would not be exempt under the energy regime. Well, there are some exceptions depending on the country of source, but mm -hmm. as a general rule, capital gains on securities would be taxed. Yeah. So, so it's exceedingly nuanced. It's not like Spain, it's not like Gibraltar, Cyprus, Greece, Ireland, UK, where you have this clear delineation. If it's local, it's taxed. If it's foreign, it's not going to be taxed. It's not that clear. It's, it's extremely nuanced. And you go through your income sources one by one to see what the impact will be, to see whether it makes sense for you. Yeah, right? as, as, as Ricky mentioned, uh, it, the, this regime is applicable to tax residents in Portugal. So they need to report mm -hmm. worldwide income anyway. And mm -hmm. it is not a tax regime based, for example, on the remittance of funds to Portugal. It's not the case. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. in other jurisdictions. Exactly. And, and and coming back to Spain, again, it sounds really attractive. Well, six years, 24%. That sounds great, right? But uh, one of the things that come up in, in conversations with people from the US who are thinking about coming over is, well, you know, to set up that structure, there's a cost. So you'd probably want to be earning above a certain amount, enjoying the benefit of income above a certain amount to pay the, the fee to set up the structure and to run yeah. the structure, right? 
So generally speaking, ballpark, no commitment, roughly what type of uh, cost and therefore what type of income levels would benefit from the structure? Yeah, normally for the for the people that we've uh, set up this kind of structure, it's people that they they normally have uh, companies. Well, I'm mostly familiar with the U.S. because uh, we have a lot of U.S. people coming that they are wanting to come to to Spain. Uh, normally, people that they have uh, companies in in the U.S. Uh, with uh, really really high incomes. Um, but I would say to Kind of like take advantage of, of this. Uh, I would say if you earn over uh, eighty to to a hundred thousand, I think you could you could take a, a really good advantage, because here in Spain, if you if you are earning incomes above eighty to to a hundred thousand, you are on the top rate. You are on the on the between forty seven to fifty two percent tax rate. So I guess once you are on those rates, the applying for the for the Beckham law could could be a, a really good advantage. Mm-hmm. Right. And and to your point, so technically you're not tax resident. So you can run no. those companies from Spain and the normal triggers around place of effective management do not apply, right? No, yeah, that's correct. So you're you're comfortable. So you can run your American company yeah. from anywhere in Spain. Once you're under yeah. the Beckham law, because you're not yeah. tax resident, and and therefore not get pulled, the company doesn't get pulled into the tax system in Spain. Okay. Yeah, and what mm-hmm. a lot of people ask is, okay, I'm not considered tax resident in Spain. There, where am I considered? Yeah. Well, then you would have to, obviously, you you have to pay somewhere uh, in yeah. the world. Um, the the most common that we found, the the most common clients that we found are Americans. Uh, so this is not a, a huge question for them because since you for American citizens, they are always required to file taxes, even though they are tax residents or not. So, so obviously they can say that they are uh, tax residents in the U.S. and then they pay uh, taxes for their worldwide incomes in the U.S. and then they pay the twenty-four percent here for the income generated in Spain. Fantastic! And for those who just joined us, yes. And you didn't hear the beginning. Yes, this is all being recorded and it will be immediately available afterwards. If you want to get, I see questions coming up on the NHR. If you just go to HJ Tax on YouTube and you type in Augusto's name, he's, he's, you know, there's hours of conversations with Augusto going into all the ins and outs of the NHR. You can get like 10 hours of just NHR. It's all there. So this, I believe that every question will be answered. And Ricky, if you if you uh, go to Ricky's website and he'll give his credentials later on, he's actually having a live stream. I think it's next week with one of your colleagues. And yeah, yeah and you're gonna go into a lot of details. You can go in and out of the Beckham Law if that's if that's something you you are interested in. Uh, Ricky, what what's your website again for those? Just quickly. Yeah. So our website is three uh, Ws that gpasoc.com uh and yeah next week we're we're having a, a webinar and we're gonna talk a little bit more into detail on the wealth tax and the new um the new regions of spain that they decided that they well that wealth tax is not going to be applied and also we're going to talk about the the solidarity tax that we, which was introduced uh uh last year 
And well, the most recent thing that was uh, that was incorporated um, um, in first of January twenty twenty three, the new uh, startup law with the with the Nomad Visa. So we're mostly going to cover all these these four subjects, and obviously we're with the Nomad Visa. You we are also going to talk about the the backup law. So yeah, it's uh, next Thursday. <laughs> Right. And yeah, so again, I'm not ignoring you. I'm seeing the, the comments in, on Facebook and stuff. It's just that we want to get through stuff and, and this can get, again, this, this is a rabbit hole. So, and, you know, you want to go through that separately. Augusta, if somebody wanted to find you on the web, what, what's your website? Okay, so we, it's uh, www.dfk.pt. Okay, simple. So you can go down that rabbit hole on each of those topics. Now, so I think that's 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 a decent introduction, but please bear in mind, this is a, an introduction into these very nuanced regimes, but moving on and as a, a segue, so that was a good segue into that this nomad visa. And of course, it's been a, a popular option in both Spain and Portugal. Could we talk a bit about the Nomad Visa from a tax perspective? I'll start with you, Ricky, please. Well, so the, as I mentioned, it's something that it was, um, it was involved, it was incorporated like um, early, early January. So it's something that it's very new. And we've had a lot of people asking questions uh, about how to apply to this uh, type of visa and everything. But the government hasn't really give us a, um, a lot of information about that and we've uh, we're in touch with a lot of uh, immigration attorneys and apparently now in, in March they gave some some additional information so if anyone wanted to apply I mean we could assist them with that but tax wise um, the the way it's gonna work it's very similar as uh, being a non-resident in Spain basically it gives you the the advantage to been uh, working here in Spain remotely for for a foreign company. You can either it it, it either works if you are self-employed or an autonomous uh, or or if you are working for a for a company. If you are self-employed, there's one condition that only twenty percent of your incomes can be coming from Spain. And, and the way the well, tax-wise, uh, these incomes and everything you you're generating and all the salary that is being paid to you, uh, it's only taxed at a twenty-four percent tax rate. So it's very similar to the the way it's taxed. Very similar to the to the to the Beckham law, and also well, obviously if you are not tax resident in Spain. Yeah. Okay, so that's, that's yeah, very he, here the, the yeah, sorry. The, so the complicated thing it's, it's, it's fifteen just to confirm it's fifteen one five percent, right? No, it's twenty five uh twenty four percent. Twenty-four, okay, right, okay. Because yeah, it's seen, it's this, yeah, it's the same rate as the as the Beckham. as the Beckham law. Yeah, it's okay. same same tax rate. Yeah. Sorry, but you, you were about to say something else. Uh, yeah, but what, what I was saying is the 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 I mean it's not the complicated thing, but uh, some of the requirements uh, the that they are shown on this uh, new law they are like kind of complicated because um, the 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 people that wants to be here and working remotely for the company they need to know that they come the foreign company 
actually needs to be registered in Spain. Uh, it's something not a lot of people know about, uh, but he actually the, the, the foreign company needs to be registered in Spain and then pay the, pay the, the salary through, yeah, through and also pay social security. Okay, wait, so let me just make sure I got this. So Nomad Visa, you're not residents, you can run a company, but yeah. whatever company's paying you must register in Spain. Yeah. So this is whether, I, I get that if you're an employee, but what if you're an independent contractor to that company? Does it so pay? if you're, if mm -hmm. you're the, an independent contractor of the company, then you need to show uh, a business relationship with, uh, with that company uh for i think it's uh, around a year uh that you've been working with the with this uh with this um with this uh different company and you need to actually demonstrate that you can work remotely for for this company that it's something that is necessary mm -hmm. uh, and also what i was saying earlier it's uh with being an independent contractor, you can actually work for a Spanish company, but only 20% of your incomes can come from Spain. If there are more, then automatically, uh, well, the, this type of visa will be, will be denied. Okay. And under either scenario, whether you're an independent contractor to that foreign company or you're an employee to that foreign company, social charges will be triggered regardless. Yes uh for okay. the for the for for the employer uh for the self-employed no no okay. for the for the for the person that is actually employed by the company yes because the company will since they will need to register here in mm. spain they will pay uh social security yeah okay gotcha thank you for that yeah what, what they has, recommend oh. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What they recommend, uh, well, and it's also one of the requirements. It's the the person moving to Spain. They need to have a private insurance. Uh, yeah, it's something that it's required. So they will not, generally speaking, they do not have recourse to like government healthcare facilities. Yeah, that is correct. Well, the 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 mm -hmm. the person that is employed, yeah, they they have uh, they have access to the. Because the public, they pay social uh, charges, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Understood, understood. Augusto. Well, um, with respect to the uh, nomad visas, so this is not a, a tax regime and does not have any specific tax treatment. So mm -hmm. either the, the individual is tax resident in Portugal or not depending on the criteria that we have already discussed. Uh, so um, if uh, the, 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 the normal, uh, the, the individual that obtained this kind of visa uh, um, meets the requirements to be considered tax resident in Portugal, then you would be subject to, to the general rules and for example, it would be available the NHR regime that uh, may apply to to him. So, uh, uh, for example, if uh, he uh, that such person has a 
an activity either as employer employee or a self-employer um, um, that can be considered high-value-added activity, then it can as the benefits of the NHR regime, but uh, does not have any specific tax treatment derived from the type of visa. Hmm. Okay. So again, and so they just to summarize. So for Portugal, it's not like Spain in that within the program there's no special task treatment but it can and it's usually paired with the nhr typically and depending on your situation that may be beneficial because with the nhr it doesn't apply to everyone that applies you must fit under one of the government categories of a high value activity as is defined by the government if you do then you get your 20 percent. if not you're on the regular progressive tax rate so, but assuming that you do make the cut, it'll be 20% versus uh, Spain, which is 24%. However, with Spain, it's 24% as an independent contractor, no social charges. But with Portugal, it's 20%. Yes, you pay social charges as an independent contractor. Okay, so, but again, no, none, none is better than the other. It depends on your unique circumstances. And before you make any decision at all, you'd want to speak with a professional. So, yeah. Okay. Next question. We got lots about foreign pensions. So I know this is highly contentious, hotly debated. People get upset over you know, in debating this. So let's let's get some some clarity. Augusto, foreign pensions received by someone who's now resident in Portugal. How is it treated? Well, if if uh, we assume that uh, um, the non-habitual resident regime applies. So as I, uh, uh, I mentioned before, it, the 10% flat rate is applicable to pension income from foreign source. And what if, um, I'm just throwing this in, what if the person who's receiving that pension was a government employee, military, state? Uh, does yeah. that change anything? Okay, so well, uh, because the the, the rule uh, of course uh, um, of the flat rate, uh, we needs to be evaluated also in line with the uh, rules of the power of taxation of the different jurisdictions, the country of source of the pension and the country of residency, in this case Portugal, and of course if under the double tax treaty, the pension income can be taxed at source, which is the case, for example, from pension derived from public services. In such case, if there is taxation at source under the double tax treaty, no taxation would, would apply in Portugal. Because- That's here, yeah. Sorry, you saying? No, yeah, yeah, that's, 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 so, okay. the, but that, that's an exemption of the, the pension the from public services mm -hmm. and under the rules of the double tax treaties. 
not not under the specifics of the NHR regime itself. Right. So for just to summarize, if I'm trying to summarize this, for private pensions, i.e. pensions derived from service to the private sector, you'd want to have a conversation with Augusto about the NHR. For pensions derived from government service to the state, you'd want to have a conversation with Augusto about the tax treaty. Is that a fair? Yeah? Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Ricky, Spain, pension. Uh, <clears throat> well, if you are under uh, any special tax regime, such as the Beckham law, foreign pensions, since it's not income generated in Spain, they are not taxed in Spain, so easy. <laughs> not our not our <laughs> problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but we what we found uh, in a lot of cases, it's people that it's actually tax rest in Spain with uh, with foreign pensions. Normally, pensions they are they are they are taxed uh, once you make withdrawals uh, from those pensions. Um, but here we need to take into account if it's a private pension or a public pension. Uh, whenever we talk about public pensions, as you guys were talking about, are um, people, for example, that were actually working for the government and, and they are receiving these type of pensions, then these pensions are only taxed in the country of origin. So here in Spain, they would be exempt. But private pensions, uh, as I was saying, whenever people will make these withdrawals, this uh, this uh, this money will be taxed uh, earned income on your on your income tax, and then um, and then you would pay tax on, on those. What uh, kind of like um, bothers people, or what people are kind of like afraid of, uh, if these uh, foreign pensions, if they will be taxed under wealth tax, um, here we we need to check at the type of pensions people have for example whenever we talk about the us uh we're very, obviously we are very familiar with iras roth iras and 401ks and also roth 401ks what we have found um obviously we would need to study the type of pension and then we would make a decision whether is it, it needs to be included in the 720 and in the wealth tax but normally what we have found it's uh, Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks. They are normally included or normally not, they're always included in under wealth tax and, and, and the 720, they also have to be important in the 720. And traditional IRAs and traditional 401ks, they are normally taxed as traditional pensions here in Spain. So these are things that need to be in consideration okay so if i'm to summarize if it is someone has worked for the government state military under the treaty tax free to spain yes it's it's yeah. exempt because it's only it's yeah. only tax on the country of origin yeah okay perfect now which is the same case as in portugal however if it is a private pension uh then if it's uh, a regular uh traditional ira 401k it would be taxed as a pension is taxed in spain which yeah, is is spain, it a progressive yeah. rate up to 47 48 percent yes it? it's uh, it's treated mm -hmm. as an earned income and, and yes mm -hmm. right it's same as if yeah. you were uh 
uh, earning money from salary. Yeah. It's yeah. It's just it's just income. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Whereas if it's a Roth, there may be an opportunity for some planning in terms of the the return on the investment because it's after tax, you know, investment. Is yeah, there an the, opportunity the, for planning? Yeah. The issue with Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks it's that mm -hmm. they are both taxed in wealth tax and then also in income tax. Okay. And that's what right. uh, people are mostly concerned. I mean, they're not that mm -hmm. much concerned about income tax. They are mostly mm -hmm. concerned about wealth tax because it's something that mm -hmm. you need to pay every year. So. Right. But of course, as you mentioned, if you were under the special tax regime of yeah, the back of law or the nomad, it's yeah. you, you're good. Okay. Yeah, you're good because uh, uh, since you're not considered tax resident, then you don't, mm -hmm. you don't have to pay taxes here in Spain that fantastic very good to know moving on and I, yes i see a lot of questions coming in but hopefully what what we're dealing with we, we're trying to we took all the questions that came in and we looked for the similarities and we came up with these 10 so yes i'm seeing your question but you know we we kind of synthesized it into these 10 so it's to moving on to uh number eight we're going to talk about this uh, this okay uh under some regimes, depending on when you enter the country and become tax resident, it may be possible to, to split the year between the time that before you arrived, let's say in, in Spain or Portugal, and since you arrived in Spain or Portugal during the calendar year. So I'll, I'll start with you, Ricky. In Spain, is it possible to get that sort of split year treatment, or in the US we call it a dual status treatment, or it does it, it doesn't exist once you trigger tax residency, you're all in for the entire calendar year. Yes. So basically how it works, it's uh with this point, we basically move to the to the first one. Um we would go to the to the three criteria and we would check whether you uh, are considered Spanish tax resident or not. Normally, whenever people want to move to, to Spain, we actually recommend them in order to avoid being tax resident that year that they that they are moving. Uh, we normally recommend coming uh, the second part of the year. So let's say from July forward. Um, this way, these people can avoid becoming tax, uh, tax resident uh, that year. Yeah, that's that's just something that we that we recommend, and it also gives us advantage to do like some tax planning. It gives us one more year to to plan everything everything better and and to give like the best advice to the to the potential client. But having said that, uh, so that deals with the first criteria, but the second too. So like, if you come in August or September, but then your center of life becomes Spain. Wouldn't that yeah. still trigger? Is that a sort of gray area? Yes, it's, it would become a gray area. Mm -hmm. But what we will do, um, kind of like to, to avoid uh, being taxed in Spain for, for that year, um, if we are able to justify that this person has actually paid uh, an income tax somewhere else, uh, we mm -hmm. are able to provide this, uh, the, the, the tax filing, also the tax payment. And then if we are what the, the Spanish tax authorities normally want to see, uh, 
uh, tax residency certificate uh, yeah. issued by the by the country of residency. If we are able to provide all those things, then uh, the tax authorities won't be won't be able to say anything. Okay, so and, and again, just playing with that theme, just one more question, and this is the point that Jay Mendez has, has raised in, in the chat below. What if you come in like a regular person, a tourist or whatever, and then you jump on either the nomad or the, the Beckham law? So for part of the year, yeah, you were full blown exposed, yeah. but then for part, you were not, right? Is, isn't that it's like a split year as well? Yeah. So what happens is uh, for either to apply for the Beckham Law or either to apply for for the Nomad Visa. Well, we need to differentiate. The Nomad Visa it's actually like the residency status, and then the 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 Beckham Law it's a special tax regime. So what mm -hmm. uh, Augusto was saying, I mean the the Nomad Visa is not actually tax; it's more of a visa, um, and then it has like some tax advantages. Mm -hmm. uh, but you can enter uh, in Spain as a tourist, and then mm -hmm. from here you can make all the all the necessary paperwork to actually become, uh, well, actually apply to the to the Beckham Law if needed, or mm -hmm. you can uh, and it's the same for the for the nomad visa. You can enter here as a tourist, and then look for an immigration attorney to do all your paperwork to apply for the for the nomad visa. Mm -hmm. Or you can do everything or plan everything before coming to Spain. Uh, but the thing that happens is for the Beckham law, you actually need to be employed. Whenever you do the application, um, you need to have like your employment agreement with this uh, with the Spanish company. Uh, so normally, people they are already living here in Spain. For those uh, months that the Beckham law hasn't been. Um, approved yet uh these people they are taxed as non-residents so no problem for them because uh once they get the the beckham law they will be taxed at the same rate 24 percent uh mm -hmm. yeah that's the way it works so you can come here as a tourist and then mm -hmm. do all the such, all the yeah. procedures yeah that you need okay. to do fantastic thank you for that ricky augusto what's going on in portugal is there a possibility to do that split year Yes, yes. In Portugal, we have the concept of uh, partial tax residency, meaning uh, mm -hmm. that uh, um, individuals can can become tax resident the day that they arrive in Portugal until mm -hmm. until uh, the uh, the end of the calendar year. For example, picking at the, uh, the July or, or August, if uh, an individual moves to Portugal. It can be considered tax residence since July or August until the end of the year, meaning that he will only be taxed on the income earned after that that specific date. Okay, so that's a great planning opportunity. So if you want to move to Portugal, you're looking at late summer is probably the best time to, for, at least for tax purposes. There may be others, but yeah. Okay, and and always uh, always important to to match the date of uh, uh, registration for tax purposes in Portugal with the, the date uh, uh, when the, the individual is leaving the previous uh, previous uh, country of residency. Mm -hmm. Okay, All right. to avoid the discussions around the double taxation. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, yeah which is nobody wants to hear that nobody wants to hear about double chat so you need to get that right. yeah and yeah. darren one thing to mention yeah. that i read on the on the chat um <laughs> no whenever you are on the whenever you want to apply to the to the nomad visa you can have been tax resident in spain for the previous five years uh it's something mm. they change with the with the Beckham law, with the Beckham law, it's 10 years. Uh, with the mm. Nomad visa, it's five years. But if you are already tax resident in Spain, then sorry, but you cannot apply to to this type of, of visa. Mm. Okay. So it's something that you need to decide on as soon as possible, either yeah. before coming or just after arriving. You need to have the conversation yeah. with yourself. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good to know. Okay, so we have two more questions. Question number nine, fallback rules. So there are certain rules around like when you leave Spain or Portugal, potentially you may still be caught in the tax net of Spain and Portugal, even though you're not technically there. Is that possible, Ricky? Is that possible? How does that work? So basically, uh, exit tax. Uh, I mean, there's uh, exit tax in Spain, uh, as we mentioned earlier in a conversation, Darren. Um, but the, the criteria for that exit tax, it's uh, pretty high because you need to uh, have uh, shares of over 4 million. Uh, well, you will be lucky if you have like this kind of money. Um, and, and this is only the, the exit tax we have here. And well, the most common is whenever people move to, to a tax haven. Uh, there's this rule here in Spain, it's called the quarantine rule, uh, that whenever someone decides to move from Spain to, to a tax haven, uh, they are actually considered tax residents for the, for the next five years. And to get that list of tax havens, is that the, you get that on one of the government tax websites, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you go to the, to the government, you can, you can check the, the tax haven countries, uh, Basically, the tax haven countries are countries which uh, Spain doesn't have a, a double taxation treaty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, we uh, have and... over 100 double taxation treaties. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, there are some countries that they are considered as tax haven. So, basically, so we have it on our website for those who just want to access it quickly, just go to hg.tax. So, basically, it's all the fun countries. Any, any island with zero or the UAE, which is also zero. Uh, people want to go to it's probably on, on that list so yeah okay <laughs> augusto does portugal have anything like that any sort of exit or quarantine rules okay um it, it is in terms of the fallback rules or quarantine rules it's it's similar to spain so mm -hmm. in case an individual moves to uh, uh, what we call blacklisted jurisdiction and blacklist in portugal is well a long list long. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, the the individual uh, still uh, within this tax resident in portugal uh, unless he, he is able to prove uh, that he moved for um, justifiable reasons, namely to work, for, to have an employment contract in, in such uh, in such uh, jurisdiction, but uh, the, the the rule is similar to Spain. We do not actually have uh, exit 
taxes. There are some some specific situations get that can be picked by by specific rules of exit taxes. Um, for example, we have a, a pretty recent one that was introduced for uh, for 2023 with the state budget for this year that is related, for example, with cryptocurrency, mm. because when you leave the country can trigger taxation on, on crypto assets. But just an example that we may have some specific rules with respect to taxation on exit, but there is no such a general rule okay gotcha okay so the last question and thank you for being so generous with your time gentlemen the last question tax for non-resident landlords so landlords that are not tax residents Spain and Portugal but they're in love with the country they have their holiday home something on the beach uh and they may rent it out when they're not around Obviously, that uh, Spain or Portugal source income will be subject to some sort of tax. Augusto, how would it be taxed by Portugal, non-resident landlords? Okay. So in case of uh, rental income or even capital gains derived from the sale of property in Portugal, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, uh, such, such income would be taxed in Portugal, even if it is earned by a, a non-resident. And the tax rate would be 28% for rental income. Mm -hmm. And the, the with respect to capital gains, um, there was a, a, also a, a recent change in the law. And the, the taxation would be at the progressive tax rates enforcing Portugal as uh, as uh, as it is applicable to tax residents but the the taxation it's only applicable on uh, 50% of the capital gain mm. so basically roughly well the the progressive rates they they jump to 47 48% pretty quickly right so it may be half of what the profit is on half of the sale yeah. price yeah okay gotcha. so to simplify 24 percent, yeah. for example just yeah to keep it simple yeah but okay so i just want to go back just real quick to the rental income is there any distinction between short-term rental like airbnb as opposed to long-term rental income or is it the same there could be differences because mm -hmm. short to short-term rental could be a business activity mm. and in such cases it may trigger other tax obligations because the, the individual that is non-resident non is considered to have a business activity in Portugal and mm -hmm. it has different obligations okay understood thank you for that and the, the income may be treated as a business income and not as a rental passive income mm. so even if okay so then it will be well it, it's business thing will be taxed at corporate rates like 21.75 percent is going to be taxed. Well, in, case, in case of non-residents would be a rate of 25 percent 25 percent okay right gotcha understood 25 okay it's not too bad you know okay 
Uh, Ricky, what's 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 the situation in Spain? Non-resident landlords. Yes, so in Spain, it's uh, well, uh, it's treated as uh, well non-residents. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, any income that's generated from from those uh, properties, uh, mm-hmm. either if it's rental income or or capital gains, depending on whether the um, this individual is from the EU, they would be paying nineteen percent on that. Or if it's from outside the EU, it's twenty four percent. I mean, it's as simple as that. Regarding what you mentioned, if it's like a short term, it's very similar to it's very similar to what Augusta mentioned. Uh, maybe it can be considered uh, business income, and then that income could be taxed at twenty five percent as if it was a, a company. Mm. Okay, right. So roughly in line with with portugal spain and portugal in line yeah. what about a sale what if you were to sell the property so if you were to to sell a property um mm-hmm. then it is uh in this case it is uh it is um tax on whether the sale has been has been made and mm-hmm. and then we would check if it, the, this person has a gain or not and then they would they would pay uh, on on those gains. And uh, as I said, the if the person is from the from the EU, it would be nineteen percent, and if not, it's twenty twenty four percent. Okay, nineteen twenty four. So whether it's a sale or rental income, same. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. That that's good to know. Gentlemen, that's it. We've come to the end. Uh, appreciate everyone who's joined us and who's asked questions. We've got something like 63, 64 questions, but we have kind of compressed those down into the 10 that we've asked because many people are asking the same thing in different ways. So those 10 questions kind of, at least we believe, capture the spirit of what everyone is trying to ask. If it is that you still need to take a deeper dive into your situation, because again, we've just spoken generally, uh, just, just to repeat, Ricky, do you want to say again? And remember, some people would be listening and they can't see you, right? So, could you just repeat again how they can find you, please? Yes. Uh, well, my email it's uh, Ricky at gpasoc.com, uh, and our website is uh, www.gpasoc.com. Uh, right, and, I, and, Ricky, and Ricky's going to be doing a live stream with his colleagues next week. So if you want to take a deeper dive, yeah. you can join him for that. Yeah, yeah. next okay. week, next Thursday, uh, I think mm-hmm. it's at 5 p.m. Uh, we, are, we are doing a, a webinar on wealth tax and also the new startup on the Nomad Visa. Okay. And Augusto, if someone wants to engage you and your team, what's the best way to reach you? Okay, the, the the website of our firm is already in chat, I believe. And my email address is august.paulin at uh, dfk.com.pt. Okay, wonderful. Yes, that is it. And for those who just joined and you're asking, yes, this is all being recorded. It'll be immediately available. So just, just keep checking the various platforms. Thank you. Have a good evening, morning, depending on where you are. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you so much, Darren and Augusto, for for this webinar. (laughs) Have a good day. Bye. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve.
the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.